This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Hi, it's Claire Kimball here, the founder of The Squiz. This week marks six years of putting out The Squiz Today podcast, and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for listening. If you love what we do, and we hope you do, please tell your friends about us. It's all the birthday present we could ever need. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Tuesday the 31st of October. In your Squiz Today... Strikes continue near Gaza hospitals. Aussie farmers ditch a trade deal. Qantas defends itself. And a spooky night awaits. This is your Squiz today. Israeli officials have told staff at the Al-Quds Hospital in Gaza City to evacuate immediately because it's going to be bombarded. That's according to the Palestinian Red Crescent, which is aligned to the Red Cross. It's a major hospital in the north of the Palestinian Territory and it's said to be sheltering up to 14,000 displaced civilians and patients. Yeah, reports there say that there's already been significant damage to that hospital building and also the neighbourhood around it from the Israeli airstrikes that have been going on. So there are concerns about how they can get patients out, particularly those who are very ill uh, and dependent on functioning medical equipment. But the Israeli Israeli Defence Forces say that Hamas is using that hospital as cover and as we've talked about previously, they are determined to go in and clear out those Hamas strongholds. So for some context there, Gaza City is seen as the base for Hamas and its operations and reports say that the IDF's plan is to encircle that area. Yeah, that's certainly something where there's images coming through that do indicate that and it's why the Israelis have told people who are in that northern region of Gaza to move to the south, that it's very serious about going in and dismantling Hamas and as you and Alex talked about yesterday, Alice, that is starting to happen with those Israeli missions going into Gaza. Um, As that's happening, there are international human rights organisations that are turning a spotlight on the child casualties in the war. Save the Children International says that more than 3,195 Gazan children were killed there this month. That's more than the annual number of children killed in conflict zones worldwide since 2019. And closer to home, Claire, six of Australia's seven living former Prime Ministers have signed a joint statement. It's in support of Israel, but it also calls for civilian deaths to be avoided. Paul Keating is the only former Prime Minister who didn't join in. Claire, I don't know if you're a TV game show fan, but I can't help but imagine Trade Minister Don Farrell giving the crossed-armed no-deal gesture after he was unable to negotiate (laughs) better conditions for Aussie exports with the European Union. Our officials have been locked in talks about the free trade deal for years. Yep, it was a big no deal from Don Farrell (laughs) yesterday. He's been in Japan over the weekend for talks but couldn't move things on, particularly when it comes to agricultural exports. Um, As you point to, those negotiations really have been crawling on since 2018 and it's a market that we really do want to crack because there are 445 million consumers there. Many of them have very healthy wallets but the talks have collapsed over things like access for our dairy and beef exports, amongst other things. Yeah, we do want better deals on those sorts of things, but the EU wants us to give up naming rights to products like Prosecco and Parmesan. 
Farrell says he's still hopeful there can be a deal one day, but that's unlikely to happen this side of the EU elections next year. Squizzers might remember that a bit of a flashpoint for Qantas in recent months came when the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, which is also known as the ACCC, accused the airline of selling tickets on 8,000 flights that were already cancelled. And yesterday, Claire, Qantas responded to that. Yeah, it did that when it filed its legal defence yesterday. What Qantas said is that it can't ever guarantee specific flight times due to the very unpredictable nature of the aviation industry. It says that's always the case, but it's denied the claim made by the ACCC that it delayed communications with passengers on those specific flights for commercial gain. What it says is that everyone affected was offered a flight or a refund. And as that unfolds, Qantas shareholders are about to get their say about the airline's performance. Its annual general meeting is on Friday and reports say that some big investors are preparing to vote against the Qantas director and advertising guru, Todd Sampson. He's up for re-election to the board. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off, but whether it's two years or 20 years away, it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you. Aware Super is one of Australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for Aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au. I reckon if I asked Squizzers when Halloween is 10 years ago, many wouldn't have been able to answer. But in the here and now, I'm sure there's good awareness that it's happening tonight. And that's backed up by retail numbers that show Australia is all aboard the spooky train. (laughs) Very much so. Australian (laughs) families are expected to spend $490 million on Halloween this year. That's up 14% on last year. And when you look around your neighbourhood, some places are really going for it. In my part of Sydney, there's certainly lots of Halloween parties that were on over the weekend. Um, Lots of cafes have their fake spider webs and their skulls <laughs> out. Um, one place to call out is Warrnambool in Victoria. It had a zombie parade on the weekend. Yeah, they really went for it with that one. And when it comes to individual efforts, a shout out to Chris Lombardo from Sydney's Inner West. He's making efforts to turn his suburb of Stanmore into Stabmore. I'm sure nobody will be hurt in the process, though, Claire. <laughs> yeah, I hope so anyway. <laughs> Claire, the spring racing carnival is known as a deeply fashionable time. Fashions on the field are taken very seriously, particularly in Melbourne, where most of the big horse races happen. And as we hit Cup Week, there's a new development that's ruffled a few fabulous feathers. Yeah, there sure is. So yesterday, the Victorian Racing Club gave the green light for men to wear tailored shorts in the (laughs) members area at Flemington during Cup Week. There was an official Melbourne Cup Carnival launch yesterday and it featured a male model who was in shorts and a tie and a blazer. And this is a whole thing because in the members areas of the race courses, there is a dress code that is strictly enforced and having shorts get the green light is quite a thing. One member of Racing Royalty has not been impressed by this though, Claire. Gay Waterhouse said she thinks it's the silliest thing she's ever seen, but she did go on to say maybe she's just (laughs) old-fashioned. Or maybe she's got very good taste when it comes to men's shorts. I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) 
Claire, there's another podcast dropping this afternoon. It's the latest episode of our special series, How Far We've Come, which is a recce of our education system. Yeah, and why it's a good listen is that it's very relevant to the news. A lot of the big issues that we're talking about, things like skill shortages and future economic growth is tied to it. Um, There's also some big reviews that are happening under the Albanese government that will bubble up in the coverage. So this series will put you at least five steps ahead of the game. (laughs) And today's episode is all about TAFE and vocational education. It'll drop into this show's feed this afternoon and every Tuesday for the coming month, thanks to our partnership with NGS Super. So look out for that. Claire and Kate will take you through all of it. And before we go, just a quick correction to yesterday's pod. I said that South Africa claimed its fourth consecutive Rugby World Cup on the weekend. I got a little bit ahead of myself. It was actually their fourth ever World Cup win and their second consecutive win, but still a pretty good effort, Claire. Oh, yeah, it sure is. Well done to South Africa. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. We'll be back with you tomorrow. G'day, Kate Watson here. I'm the host of Weekly Wrap and News Club, a place for conversations about the news. It's budget week, so I'm here to tell you about our News Club episode from last week where Claire chatted with James Chessel. He's the former Managing Director of Publishing at Nine Entertainment. He was also a staffer earlier in his career, so they have a good chat about how the budget sausage is made. Here's a small snippet. The most important policy set of policies the government will announce every year. So it's important that it's not um, announced willy-nilly, although mm. they do leak <laughs> a, a fair amount of it. Yeah. And there is a famous time when uh, when um, Laurie Oakes, the nine journalist, got his hand on the budget papers b- the day before the budget and was it's able to such print. such an incredible story. Was able to print a lot of it, um, which was, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is... A lot of what the Treasurer will announce has the ability to move markets, yeah. um, direct impact on on businesses and, and other organisations. So, you know, there does need to be some rigour and uh, confidence that it will be handed, handled in an appropriate, appropriate way. For more on that chat, just search for News Club in your podcast app or follow the link in your episode notes.